0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you, uh, when you get the Anchor app and it's so much easier to navigate. Even... Their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are brought to select from the US program, Jack Hughes. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's going on? Odd NHL fan on.
1: Nice. It's a good day. Here's Wednesday. We've been out. We haven't done one in a while. It's good to be back. Uh, you know, it's just been a downtime. You know, it's not a lot. Everybody's just waiting, playing a waiting game till we get back. Maybe we'll get some answers today. Figure out when things are going to finally come back. It appears July, but maybe sooner, hopefully. Um and see what kind of tournament or playoff we have uh, this summer.
0: It seems from what you're talking about or referring to is that it seems like John Shannon the other day was mentioning that they were going to move the draft a little further up into August. So it seems like that teams will have a little bit more time to do uh, Zoom calls and evals All by video call.
1: Did you did you send him the link?
0: I was beginning to talk to you. I just to odd NHL fan uh, book this time in the DM. I hope he uh, he got it because I sent it to him. Or uh, I'll just send I'll just send it to him just publicly and see if he can jump in. I said it both ways. Okay. Ho- hopefully he responds in time. If not, it'll just be a like a state of the devil's address or something like that. But uh, we're going to give him about maybe five, ten minutes to see what's going on. So pretty much is a nice, beautiful day this week. Oh, and uh, what did you do uh, in your – your news article that you can explain to the listeners.
1: Uh, so a couple of things working on. Uh, got one coming out tomorrow and hopefully another one coming out on Friday. Uh, one will be tomorrow will be boom busts in regards to the devil's draft going back to 2000. And, um, you know, looking at the players that the devil's drafted. Well, their last draft, if fans want to take a look at it, their best draft, is two thousand. Oh,
0: I believe we have on our guy. Hello, here
1: Charlie. He Charlie's here.
2: Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? Hey,
1: pretty good. How are you doing? doing? Great. Thanks for pretty coming good.
2: on. No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's a great so, day today. Great day to talk some hockey.
2: Absolutely. So we,
0: time wake listeners up and for setting this up.
1: Oh, I think it's either his phone locked up or he locked or he lost
0: the connection. One sec, let me double check with him.
1: Oh, he's okay. back. there we go. Yep. Hey.
0: Did your Did your hey, phone? Did, did, make
1: sure, yeah, make sure your phone doesn't lock up, or else we'll lose you.
0: Yeah. All right. It, it's good right now. We had the same. We had the same thing with Anya Packer of the NWHLPA. <laughs> but we we knew we had strong signals, so uh, yeah, hopefully got- we don't drop you again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, let's see how this one holds up.
0: Yeah, so um, like I was saying, thank you to Jake Wakeley for setting this up. So uh, he, I just saw him send me a, a Facebook message, and I was like, Hey, I'm ready to talk some
2: draft. Yeah, well, that's See, that's so that's I what just... I'm big on drafting. Yeah, for second round and then other things like what who could be the Devils' coach? How the season's gonna end up? Everything hockey. All right,
1: All right so that's... let's so let's get into it then. Let's let's dive right into it. Let's get into the the questions. I think everybody, I think a lot of Devils fans want to know GM coach. I know I've written some things for last one on hockey about Gerard Gallant being the leading guy, and they've been looking at other people. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your take on it, and what, you, what have you been hearing about the Devils coach and GM position?
2: Well, from what I, w- from what I was hearing is, depending on how the season continues, is going to determine when the coach is going to be selected. I heard there was four coaches interviewed at least – we know John Stevens and Gerard Glant was one of them. Absolutely, Gerard Glant is – I was told from a text from someone I know, Gerard Glant's going to be the guy and it's going to be around July.
1: Okay. Is what yeah, I,
2: I was told. But yet again, it depends what's happening with Corona. When is the season going to continue, the draft lottery, you know, when all that stuff
0: is it, figured it, out. It, it sounds something very uh, verifiable that Jim – can chime in on with our guy.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I've been hearing ever since the reports came out, I, I was talking to some people I know, and they were telling me the same thing, like, Gallant's the leading guy. Um, they're, you know, they have to do their due diligence on other people, though, but mm-hmm. they are really focused in on Gallant because, what he, he brings to such a young team.
0: Yeah. And And it sounds like uh, what I wrote in a recent article for the Puck Authority was you know, it was about John Stevens and it was about Gerard Gallant. And I made a statement you know if you're going to have an interview with John Stevens uh, you're, you might as well keep Elaine Nasreddin because he's also an assistant coach as a, as a head coach for the time being. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like they're almost even if you think about it although you know Stevens has had a little bit of more head coaching time a little bit but um I just mm-hmm. think he was coaching a little bit in a different era with the LA Kings but, and their
2: two cup are there, yeah the two cup runs
0: correct but it was still Sutter's team yeah but at the same time I feel uh better trust in Gerard Gallant Knowing that I've – I've over the years have overlooked the Florida Panthers and the L.A. Kings – not L.A. Kings, I mean the Vegas Golden Knights, thinking that they wouldn't be playoff teams, but golan has been one of those guys that makes that franchise really sought after. Mm-hmm. So I just believe that the Devils haven't had that kind of guy since Coach Burns uh, – had no longer been with the team. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, it's the coach's team, and uh, my biggest concern for Gallant is, is he going to completely change the team up? Like, I know a lot of coaches, like Peter Laviolette, he loves to bring in his own staff. So I'm interested to see if the Devils go Gallant's way. Will he bring in, you know, some of his best defensive coaches, offensive coaches, power play, penalty kill guys? But definitely, he's... Pat Burns has been probably the last good devil's coach we've had,
1: yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, you know, I would think i personally for me, I would think Galan's probably going to bring in his own guys. I mean, no offense to any of the guys that are there right now, but um they the Galano want his guys um when a new I see around the league when a new guy comes in, he wants to play he wants his guys he doesn't want what's left over. And like I said, no offense to like the Mike Greers and the guys that are there right now, yeah. but they just they're just not cutting it.
2: Mm-mm. That's why I was sad to see Ryan Klo go. I in the one year he was like a coach, he the team did good, you know. Yeah, he did
1: really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember being up in Buffalo when he was with when he was with um, you know the team at the you know the that rookie can't the rookie camp, like the rookie games and yeah the stuff the tournament the rookie tournament yeah the turn yeah the rookie tournament he was the always Hawk, good to talk to. Yeah, they were – you know, he knew what he was doing. Same same thing with, like, it's a shame that they couldn't keep Scott Stevens around just because he was just so good with the team and the young players.
0: Mm-hmm. I wish they kept him.
2: Yeah, because it's a big thing because, you know, most of the coaches nowadays, you know, they've only played, like, 10 or 12 NHL games. Like, naturally they only played, like, eight, and he got in, like, one fight and he had, like, one assist. You know, it's way different than, like, have a coach like Patrick Waugh or – you know, like Scott Stevens, who played many NHL games, won a ton of trophies. You know, you get more insight from them.
1: Yeah, like, like when the Devils had Larry Robinson yeah. coaching and then he was on the staff when Larson was there when they went to the final in 2012. Um, you know, the big thing to me with the Devils doing all these interviews, it seems to me that ownership has faith and has a belief in Tom Fitzgerald and what he's done. In mm-hmm. just this short little time, taking over, uh, your thoughts on that? I I can't dis- really disagree. I mean,
2: I love him as a general manager. I mean, as of right now, he basically got Yanni Kokenen for free and Freddie Clayson. He got Coleman, who was like a middle six guy who could play penalty kill minutes. Yes, he was the heart of the team, but you got a really good prospect if it, depending on what happens this year. I mean, Nolan Foote, I've watched this kid for two, three years. He is probably one of the most lethal shots in all of NHL related prospects.
0: That sounds a lot like what I said a few episodes ago um, when the Devils traded away um, Blake Coleman on February 16th. Uh, Jim and I were talking about, and I said, from a hockey uh, Canada goalie coach, said, Nolan Foote's shot is like a bowling ball. And so it seems like not only is it accurate, but it's so heavy, it's hard to stop. Yeah, you just want to – Do you think – Oh, you go. Yeah, do you think he's going to develop more in the AHL, or do you think he will actually crack the lineup uh, if there is a preseason?
2: That's good, because I know the Devils do not like rushing prospects. You know, you see Ty Smith. We all thought he was going to make the roster. We're all waiting – for the deadline, and they, of course, went a few hours over it. And, you know, we all thought he was going to make it. And I think it was Matt Tennyson
1: made it. or Someone made it, I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Tennyson, Tennyson made, made it. it. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. yeah. So, I would say he probably starts the year off in the AHL. You know, you have guys like Zetterlund, um, Merkley. That's another question. Is he going to start in the fourth line center, depending on who we draft and all that fun stuff? So I think he starts in the AHL. I think he starts up the first line AHL, you know, get some goal scoring down there because he right now is one of the only snipers that this team has.
1: Yeah. And 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 really, if we think about it, the Devils really haven't had that. Like they've, they've had a lot of playmakers, mm-hmm. but they don't have any true goals. They don't have a finisher. And they don't have a finisher. I mean, Palmieri, you know, Hopefully, Fitzgerald, if he sticks around, which most likely he will, they get him to sign a long-term deal. You have him on a power play. But having a guy like Foot with that shot is, and have him develop the right way, and that's what they're getting back to finally. I think for a period of time, you saw them trying to rush guys too much. Like Pavel Zaka, an example. Yeah. Like, you know, he, they rushed him along. If he had time in the AHL to develop, I think he would be a lot better off than what he is right now. Yeah, and now. then
2: there's a big question earlier this year. Oh, should we send Jack Hughes to the IAHF uh, juniors and have him play for the United States? And then I think Shiro said, absolutely not. That's not even on my mind right now. But just because he had that little tough year because he's playing under pressure. You know, he's not the tallest guy, not the strongest guy, but, you know, you got to give the kid some confidence. And I think that's the big thing with rushing them.
1: No, you rush them, there's more pressure to perform. So, especially a number one draft pick like Jack Hughes. I mean, the problem is, you know, he couldn't go play in the A. He wasn't going to college. He didn't have that one year like his brother to go develop somewhere.
0: And I think that's what he needed. Mm
2: -hmm. I think that's what he needed too.
0: Oh, you go. I think what they wanted to do as in the doubles, they wanted to see and how he could play out regardless whether it's going to be a good or bad year. And I figured getting him that NHL time on a team where he could earn more ice time would do him wonders. But the one problem that I had uh, all year was when Hines was coach is that he would put him on the third or fourth line center line. And I just could not fathom it one bit. Meanwhile, he played John Hayden in a little bit more ice time, like by eight minutes at least. Mm. And I just like, I just
2: dumbfounded. I
0: couldn't hold my mind anymore just thinking about how the Sam Hill are you letting this kid who's a top line center play bottom six minutes. This is not fair for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that just, oh. that just made me say, get this coach out of here. I
2: think that was definitely one of the pushing points for getting Heinz out. And he was fired after we got, I think our asses kicked by Buffalo for the second time that year, you know, going into the year, we had all the expectations, you know, and we were all like, okay, you know, it's just they blew a four-goal lead. Yeah, this is devil's hockey. We've known this the past four years. You know, we got to get night against Buffalo. They're not that good. We can get them. And then, just you get dro- you just get dropped seven-one, and then you lose all the momentum. So, I mean, that was yeah. when Hines got out. So.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of my been one of my pet peeves over the years. You see all these talented young junior players, and they're put in positions to succeed. And then when they get to the, the NHL, if they're not developed right, they they're like, oh yeah, we'll stick them on third and fourth line. When but realistically, they're not those type of players, and they're gonna get beat up and they're gonna get injured. And then they're like, oh well, you know, he didn't work out for a couple of years that we had him. Well, you didn't put him in the right positions to succeed. So. I just don't get it. I mean, like it was dumbfounded why Hughes was never on the, as a second line center for the entire year. I understand Zayak, but Zajac is there to develop these young mm. guys. He's not going anywhere. No, he's. But you know it.
2: He's. I would say he's done. It was just dumbfounded. Yeah, he's done. Zajac, in my opinion, after next year, he's gonna be done. He's gonna be signed to like a one year, one million dollar. That's going. That's gonna be how he ends his career. Is it with the Devils? I don't know. They got a lot of centers. This draft here is very center-heavy. I mean, you got Stutzel, Byfield, Rossi, Perfetti, Lundell, a bunch of other guys. So,
0: You you just brought a lot of great players in the first, you know, top ten that I actually want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of mock drafts read um, Alexi Lafreniere, number one, and he's a winger. Yeah. But – do you think, in the long run, do you believe Quinton Byfield, the Sudbury Wolf, has more potential and upside than Alexi Lafreniere?
2: That's a good question. I, right now, of course, it's going to be Alexi Lafreniere. In the long run, I'm going to stick with him because I think that the first two years is going to push Lafreniere. I think his confidence is going to go through the roof. If Detroit puts him on a line with Mantha and Larkin right on that first line, you know maybe you got a good coach who puts him with some good players. I think it's just going to push his confidence rather than have Quentin Byfield. I had him in my mock draft going third because I think that his numbers were boosted just because he's six foot four and I think two ten something like that. But yeah. I think Lafreniere is going to be one of the, probably the best one coming out of this draft. I think Biofield's going to be like probably around like 100, maybe 200 points behind him. But I think Lafreniere is just going to enter the NHL, be an immediate impact, and just go off.
1: It, it's And it's interesting with like the Devils having three picks in the first round. As it stands right now, like you said, everything ha- hampers on the season, what they decide to do, when the draft is held, the draft conditions with all the conditional picks. But the Devils have three picks, and you know, kind of spread out through – First round, where do you see them going with those picks? So, in
2: my mock draft, um, well, here, what do you mean? Do you mean where are those picks going to end up, or who are they going to
1: pick with them? Like, wh- like, wh- like, for you could say, need, like, wh- who, oh, okay. who do you think they'll get? Mm-hmm. One, and if that player's not there, do you see them going with need? All right. need or best player available, okay. you yeah. know what I'm saying?
2: So, for the sixth overall pick, I had them ending up with Alexander Holtz. But it's probably gonna be between Raymond and Holt. I put Holtz there, and a lot of people immediately went at me saying that Rossi, if the devils pass on Rossi, they're gonna like lose their minds. But I brought up the point, A, we don't need another center. We have He's here and Hughes, that's it. That's our center core. B, Ray, Um No, sorry, Rossi played on a very, very good Ottawa team. I'm not dissing his, you know, potential or whatever. But he – Ottawa was the best team by far. They had four Devils prospects, and no. With those relations, they wanted him going sixth. But Holtz, I've talked to a few amateur draft scouts, and all of them said the biggest thing they look for in a guy is one that puts him away from the rest. And Holtz's shot definitely puts him – Holtz is probably going to be the one with the best shot in this draft. So that's why I had him going over Rossi and Perfetti – but I Holtz also plays, I think, in the SHL right now. So I think we can give some, some time mm-hmm. to develop. And of course the Devils need a sniper along with Nolan Foot.
0: Yeah, it I was gonna say in in my mock draft, I actually I believe if the Devils are still picking at six, I'm going with mm-hmm. uh if Lucas Raymond is still mm-hmm. there and Holtz is and Holtz goes a little early I have to go with Ray. Yeah, absolutely. If both players are there, I'm going with Holtz because we need a guy who has an elite shot who can be like our version of Stefan Richet, Kovalchuk, mm-hmm. Gusev, uh that will learn to play a two-way game, which is teachable. Yeah, um, Sure, he's a little careless in his own zone. I mean, I watched a video on scouching.ca with Will Scouch, mm-hmm. and I do think that big shot and his skating is still better than uh lucas raymond's dis- despite despite some of the the problems that holtz has
2: yeah i think Ray- i think raymond i think his overall game is better but Holt has that big shot and i'd take that over raymond's playmaking abilities because again devils don't need another playmaker they already have you know, Hughes, Gusev, I guess you could say Zaka, two-way player, kind of, you know, Palmieri. Now, Holtz is going to be that guy that could probably end up being a 30-40 goal scorer by his, you know, mid-year, like 27. I think if we pick him, he's probably going to stay in the SHL for one year and then maybe come over to the AHL, get like that 10-game um treatment and then get sent back down, give him a little taste and then bring him back up later in the year.
0: So you think Bokvis will be like that bridge guy for yes. him? Yes, you know when he, when mm-hmm. is ready. Yeah, exactly. Right, like So, him. so uh, what about um, s- someone else, not name Holtz or uh, Raymond, who aren't there at six? Who else do you see? I I I would go with like here. finish your question. So yeah, I was gonna say who's your fallback player?
2: It's probably then going to be Rossi for me. I mean, Rossi's still – his hockey IQ is through the roof. Just finding him and Jack Quinn, who – if Jack Quinn wasn't on Rossi's team, he probably wouldn't go to the second round. But Quinn also has a good shot, and I'll get to him later when we talk about the third Devils pick, Vancouver's. But, yeah, Rossi's going to be probably my fullback guy. Okay. Uh,
0: How about number 10? Who who do you see going – I have
2: Anton Lindell right now, but it could be switched out with Jake Sanderson.
0: All right, so you don't see Askarov going at 10, so you I probably have see him, him falling before. I or, have him
2: getting, actually, if Chicago picks before New Jersey, I say Chicago picks up Askarov because Chicago needs a goalie. Of course, Corey Crawford's like two years away from retiring. They don't really have the other guy. I heard somewhere that Malcolm Subban was just going to not get – um. An RFA contract, and I don't know I don't know that much about Colin Delia. How good he'll play if he comes to Chicago or comes up to Chicago, but definitely I don't. I think the Devils should pass on him. I'm not a big fan of taking a goalie in the first round, let alone a top ten pick. There's just so many more talented players that you can go for, and you know mostly elite goalies in today's game. You know they've been picked in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh round.
0: All right, so you put a great case there. Um, I do like Sanderson as like my first option if Eskarov is not there. Um, you also mentioned Anton Lundell mm-hmm. as your first. I do like Lundell as long as he's available, and uh, I do think Sanderson is one of those guys where he has to go to North Dakota and it's going to take three to four mm-hmm. years. And I've been very patient with Riley mm-hmm. Walsh but I don't want to lose a guy uh, from my first-round pick, which would scare me, but I would rather take a flyer on Anton Lindell. Uh, I find him to be a very smart hockey mind and a great two-way center, much better than uh, Powell and more developed. And he's got a good zone entry.
2: Yeah, I said, because I've talked to guys who had him at, like, number two and three. I think because people put him at the second and third spot, I think he's one of the most overrated players to come out of this draft. I like how he plays, and people have brought up Capocacco's numbers, how he has a better point percentage or points per game than him. I think he had like a point seven or something like that. And then I've heard a lot of people bring up his defensive game. I don't to me that people are focusing on a 17-year-old's defensive game if he's not playing defense because, you know, these guys, I get they're 40-year-old men, but they're men who – You know, haven't made the NHL for a reason or or like at the bad ends of their career when you could just skate around them or just easily stick hold them or, you know, so I think he could fall to 10. I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal or Buffalo picks him up because, you know, there are two teams that could battle for a center, but they already have one in their system. So, you know, if Lundell's there at number 10, I'm picking him. But if he's not, Sanderson's my number two.
0: I definitely like Sanderson. Uh, it's just the college
1: part yeah. worries me a little bit. Yeah, I don't mean – I don't know. I mean, I see guys coming out of college all the time. And, you know, the co- everybody's – this is the college game. But, you know, it is producing two of the best defensemen right now in the league in Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. I mean, granted, these guys are exceptional mm-hmm. players. But I think that having a guy develop in college is really good. Um, just – you know, even like I was saying before uh, you came on, I was doing a Devils boom bust piece for the last word on hockey and then looking at, you know, since 2000, and their best draft class since 2000 was 2000 when they picked Paul Martin, who went through college, went through the mm-hmm. college system. But I like, I going back to what you're saying at six, I mean, I saw Holtz and Raymond playing the World Juniors, and I was impressed with both of those guys. So if the Devils can get either one of those guys at six, I'll be happy.
0: Almost like. Let me resend him the uh, the link. So I wanted to clarify uh, what I said about the college game. Oh, dairy.
2: Uh, yeah, that was Sorry. weird. It just took me out completely.
0: Thing. Yeah, that's uh, just, weird. It
2: wasn't even a problem.
0: What the heck? Oh,
1: I don't know. That's weird.
0: The one thing contrary to the NCAA is that you know kids can walk out in their fourth year, but that's why I like getting the players within the first three their development in the college game. So if, um, on those draft interviews and they the player agrees to come within their first three seasons of development the NCAA, you know before their rights are up, right, there it'd be go. great to bring them back. I'm
2: going for my now, uh, so hopefully we'll have any problems. Yeah.
0: All right, that's good. Uh, I was just saying, the only thing that worries about uh, the college players is that it's just that one little contractual problem um, where they can wait out, kind of yeah. like kind of like Kerfoot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then Jimmy Vc with Buffalo the first time around, and then Nashville.
1: Yeah, it's it's so weird. I mean, certain guys when they get drafted, by the time they're ready to turn pro, they may not want to go with that team and stay with that team. But like I was saying before we lost you, I said, I hope, hopefully, you know, if Raymond or Holtz are there, I'd be happy with either one of those guys at six. Um, you know, I'm glad that you're not on. I'm glad you're not also, you're also not on the Escaroff train at 10, because I've seen a lot of devil fans saying, Oh yeah, I got to yeah. take them. Got to take them. Why waste the top 10 pick? Why? There's no reason to devils have plenty mm-hmm. of goalies in their system. They got Blackwood there. They're fine yeah. at the position. I mean, their backup goalie position is a di- different story, which we could get into after we got after we get mm-hmm. done with the draft. Talking about what where they're gonna pick, who else they're gonna pick there. But I mean, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely good to hear somebody else on that train that says, hey, you know what, Not don't waste the top mm. 10 pick.
2: Going back to the college guys, I had the pleasure of talking to Dan McKinnon at Devil's Assistant GM around the trade deadline. And, you know, all the fans wanted to ask questions. And, of course, you know, the angry season ticket holders asked about, oh, why aren't we getting this and that? And I'm just sitting over here, hey, I want to know who you're trading, when you're trading them. But the only question I did get to to ask that he didn't turn down was about Riley Walsh. And he said if, about a month before, um, that he was announced that he was going back. He told me that, yes, their plans were he's going to send them back. And I brought up, you know, Jimmy Vesey and Alex Kerfoot. So, and he said that he was in really good relations with him and that he wants to play a har- another year in Harvard. Or in Harvard sorry. Because um, I guess he, like, I don't know, he just likes the memories there and he wants to play and he wants to develop his game. And he doesn't think at the time that the Devils have a spot, which I thought was a little off because they definitely – the team but so hopefully you know he doesn't book us and i know a lot of Devils fans were kind of scared because his teammate Andre miller plays for the rangers and they thought they were going to hold out so he can sign with them so we'll have to see how that one goes
0: yeah and adam fox eventually yeah. got traded and got his wish to go to the rangers so twice yeah yeah it seems like that they always find a way to get their college guys but mm-hmm. um I do want to talk about that number 17 pick. So uh, who do you foresee going at 17 and why?
2: So for the cap friendly, they had the Vancouver pick at 12, which would make them not have it this year. At 17, I would have the Devils picking around Seth Jarvis or Jack Quinn or Connor Zari.
0: What do you like about uh, Seth Jarvis?
2: I think he's just a really good playmaker. He knows the game well. I can tell like by the interviews that he's done, he's a huge fan. He loves the sport of hockey. he reminds me of Mark Shifley, not in the playmaking or the play style, but just how Mark Shifley lives and breathes hockey. You can see him always he's watching n h l network you know he does fantasy even though he plays but I think you know he's just such a fan, and I think that him getting to the n h l he's not going to be one of those guys who if you pick they're gonna- it's like want to get traded like you know Brendan Shanahan who left and they restricted free agent market, or you know someone like Zach Prise, which is kind of a different story because he's going to his hometown so and and there's a, and there was more to it uh-huh. with Parise
0: and ownership yeah, and Kovachok, yeah well, Pat Maroon too kind of left for the
2: same reason just not the same caliber of a player.
0: Yeah, I'll have to say this about uh, Seth Jarvis. I watched him the way he skates. He's so agile. He's smooth. He's very smart. He he he's truly one of those guys that loves to get open and mm-hmm. attack from the points, and he likes to veer in on the crease and crash it but he also has some of the best stick handling in the later first round which i think would be a great steal and he can be very shifty kind of like uh what's his name uh jack quinn of the ottawa 67s Mm -hmm. and i think those are a couple of guys that the devils could target at 17 what do you think about uh some of the other guys you mentioned so, Jack Quinn, like I said earlier, I think he's also kind of a little
2: overrated just because he had Marco Rossi. But if they can pick him up and we could put Jack Quinn with a really good playmaker, it's just going to make the whole line so much better and the whole team so much better. As for Connor Zari, he is, again, like another like goal-scoring guy. I think that's kind of the theme this year for the Devils. You need to get a guy who can put the puck in the back of the net. For Zari, I don't know if he's going to go to the CHL or go to college. And we brought up the problems with having a player go to college. It's kind of something like a waiver. Like, you're not going to get him guaranteed. But you're right, his rights are still with him. So, I mean, out of those three, I'd put my number one person I want is Jarvis, Quinn, and then Zari.
1: Nice. Those are good selections. Those kids are Jarvis especially. And what about a good player. uh,
0: defensive players?
2: This year is kind of a rough year for defensemen. I have most of them, like Gouley and Barron. I don't have them going till picks 28 and 31. I do have Schneider going 24th, so I don't see the Devils – the only realistic defenseman they could get is Sanderson. And I'm telling you right now, if Drysdale falls to pick number six, I'm going to throw a party because I've seen I him playing. He is – you
1: yeah, know, we could can always back all four. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, you can go get a goal score down at 10 or something yeah. if Drysdale falls because he played really well mm-hmm. for Canada. At so I think so outplayed, last year. he outplayed Ty Smith a little um, bit, and that kind of concerned me. But, you know, I guess Ty
2: Smith didn't have the greatest can- uh, Team Canada performance, but it doesn't mean he's still not a good player. Absolutely yeah. not.
1: No, I... I, but I wasn't. Was he? Was Smith on the top line with? He Dries was on now? a top two, uh, top he three. Line he, line I, I think I
2: it was on the. I think he was on the top line. I don't know who it was with.
0: But okay, because yeah. I know Ball was on the second. He was interchangeable line most of the time, uh, second and third line, Jim. There you go.
1: Okay, so that's good. I know because Smith just W-H-L won. Defense uh, of the year. WHL
0: defenseman defense of the year again today. So. Nope. No surprise uh, there. Not surprised. I mean, he he started turning his game into a more two way game, just to yeah. kind of reiterate it, versus what he did over a year ago, which was being more.
2: Yeah, and we saw a hint of that towards the end of the season when he had, what was that, an eight point night on a Friday, and then I think he came back the next day and he had another, th- like, three points or something like that.
0: Yeah, it was an 11. Like, that, points that was and like two games. Yeah, something
1: like that, yeah.
0: And so, um, what do you what do you see the Devils doing since they don't have a second round pick? Do you see any uh, players that Fitzgerald might trade?
2: If there's a player that Fitzgerald is going to trade, it's probably going to be Miles Wood. It's of course, um, <laughs> but for a second round pick, I'm not sure. He might have to be packaged with someone. But the Barkley Goodrow trade that Tampa made made me realize something. It's if you're going for the best players, go in the first, and then the ones who don't make the NHL go in the seventh, Barkley Goodrow is a guy who could have gone, if you put, taken all the players in the draft and lined them all up, he could have gone late first round, early to mid-second round. So everyone's like, oh, why did Tampa they give up a first for Barkley Goodrow? That's probably hmm. Guillaume um you know, thinking process. Hmm. So if they trade him first, so if they trade Wood for a second, then he's probably, if you lined everyone up in wherever he, whenever he was drafted, I forget. He's probably like late first round, it again mid second round.
0: So do I can you, see him
2: getting away with the second round pick for Wood.
0: Who do you think a team would be perfect? Like, uh, do you see a team like Montreal willing to part of, away with one of their extra picks?
2: I, I, yeah, Montreal. Because the reason why they stocked up was because either they're gonna make a big trade and surprise the home crowd, or you know, just have a fun draft and keep the Montreal fans, you know, you know, out of their seats. Kind of like, oh, what are you gonna do with this pick? You know, there's this guy on the board. So I think now that the draft is being held online, I think they will be willing to trade one of their picks. I don't know if Miles Wood is the greatest fit, because I kind of see Artury in, in like that third line spot. For him, so I mean, Wood could definitely third, fourth line. Would Montreal give up a second? I'm not sure. So,
1: yeah, and they got and they and they have issues that they yeah. need to address as well. So I don't know how much they're going to be willing to part with their picks. I mean, I think Miles my, Woods. Yeah, has Dallas been out has there been for a while now, so heavily on him. Dallas be... and
2: Columbus were the two teams actually at the trade deadline that were looking to get him before this whole thing happened. So,
0: wait a second. You said Columbus and Dallas?
2: Columbus and Dallas.
0: All right. Let me look them yeah. up in the second round. So, let me see. Columbus and Dallas. Da-da-da-da. That, that makes
1: sense because they needed physicality mm-hmm. and they needed – especially Dallas. And and Columbus was dealing with injuries, so that makes sense. Actually it, with, was, with for them, it was for them. Well,
2: um, Columbus doesn't have a second round pick this year or next year. So – or a third-round pick this year, so I don't think that would go through.
0: Dallas has a pick at 115, which is uh, fourth round. The Devils have fourth-rounders, so they really don't Mm -hmm. need a fourth round. But they could trade up extra picks from one of the mid-late rounds and try and push up an earlier round if they can in the package. Kind of like what you are reiterating earlier about – what was it, Miles Wood? Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it seems like there's some draft capital that they can use because the Devils have been stockpiling on it. And what about the Islanders' uh, 2021 uh, second rounder?
2: You know, I th- I think before this whole thing happened, you know, the Devils were on trade Vancouver's pick because they already have two in the top ten. They're going to get a good guy or two of them guaranteed. So I said, all right, you know what, probably packages someone, maybe get like a top four defenseman or someone on the top six. Because every fan every year goes, oh, you know what? Maybe we don't – maybe this won't happen because, you know, free agency is a thing. We can get, you know, we got Grandlin, Mike Hoffman, you know, maybe Taylor Hall's coming back. No one signs with New Jersey. You know, Wayne Simmons last year was the one because he wanted to, you know, try to rebirth his career, you know, maybe get another, like, 20-gold season out of him for $5 million. That's the only reason why he kind of came. So I'd say they probably – I think they keep the Islanders' pick next year because next year is supposed to be a pretty good draft. I haven't looked too much into that yet. So, yeah,
1: yeah still early, still and, early and on that. Of yeah. course,
0: Toronto has cap issues every single year, it seems like. And mm-hmm. given the the constraints with this whole COVID nineteen, it looks like the cab might stay the same or a little bit down further. Do you? One of those uh, day one, day two type trades. Uh, I think similar, we were talking to about Miles Wood, but except this would be like prying and stealing someone's best player away. All the devil's needs. I think
2: the two biggest names on the trade market for Toronto is Kasperi Kaplan and Andreas Janssen. Because they keep signing Russian guys. Like we just saw them, they got. Uh Mika Letnin, and then from Finland. Yeah, and then um, well, K- KHL guy. Yeah. What was the other guy that they
1: signed? The oh, it was um, what's his face? I sounded like I a one-year deal. Um, let me try
2: to find him. Yeah, yeah, it was like a it V or like, something. Um... I'm not sure. Let l-
0: let me. Yeah, uh, wait, uh wait, what was...
1: Maple Leafs. Hold on a sec. It was. It came out of nowhere. The Lightning one came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah. So they signed him and they signed Ilya Mikhaev, of course, last year. So Andreas Janssen signed until 2023, Come becomes a free agent that year. So I could see him because he's been injured. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him getting moved to 3.4 million cap hit. I could see him getting interchanged on the second and third line, depending on how he plays. If we get Kasperi captain in for 3.2 million, I could see him going on the second line. I'd have Captain over, um, what's his face? Johnson about any day.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think that's one of the assets that Toronto was trying to avoid not to move mm-hmm. because they're really high on Kapanen, but but he could become a cap casualty. Um, going back to that Vancouver mm-hmm. first round pick for a minute, he, uh, and everybody like speculates: is there going to be, you know, because everybody likes to to you know the NHL trade deadline, mm-hmm. uh, NHL draft day trades before this whole thing. Say we're in normal times do you see the devils making that pick in play for like maybe a top six forward or a top six a top four defenseman if the draft That's and the everything government. went on? If Ray would start
2: GM he's making that pick. But with Tom Fitzgerald I see him trading it if we were in normal T or normal C and even now do I you think, think they, they would, would. Do it? like I don't I don't think they can because with the whole don't trade players. And then, of course, today we had reports of, I think, Vegas and Florida holding, like, secret practices with their team. Hmm. Ottawa's uh, doing the same
1: thing. Yeah, they opened Ottawa's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, under the radar, like, you will you know, keep everybody on the DL. Like, you guys can't be, like... Well, Florida's no surprise I have to fine. half the state's, you know half the states like doing stuff anyway so that's and vegas is probably going to be the next then, yeah. one to let like, go but yeah it's interesting uh it'll be interesting to see like what they do because i most likely like because everybody was down on like when the bruins had those yeah. three back-to-back first round picks and like they got two players out of it so it'll no, be like they gonna oh they like... got three first round picks or they really I
2: gonna do it, would it? Be wise, yeah too.
0: so both options
2: I think they need to figure out what's going to happen and where the picks are going to end up. Because if Vancouver's pick, if they do the 24-team lineup, Vancouver does really good in those playoffs, and it's now a 20th overall pick, it's definitely going to change from one that could be the 16th. Before this, I I had that Vancouver pick. I was very high on the Devils trading it and a package to the Sharks. For either Timo Meyer or Kevin LeBanc, I would have rather had Timo Meyer because he would have been a great top six forward. They and San Jose, their big thing was they want a first round pick because of course theirs is either going second or third. It's Ottawa's property right now in the Carlson trade. So there was definitely reports at the trade deadline that um, the Sharks are looking for another first round pick. That was of course before the Barkley Goodrow trade. So I think they're going to be looking for another one. I don't know if they want to give up Timo Meyer yet. I did look at his stats, and he was not—he was not there for the whole month of like February. He didn't—he registered like two points.
0: Yeah, and LeBanc is from the Staten Island, New Jersey area. Mm-hmm. He's a hometown boy, and you know, you know, Ray Shiro not long ago got local boy Kyle Palmer when he was a restricted free agent mm-hmm. uh, during that contract. Do you think that you know it would be? Wise that you know Fitzgerald might do a similar move with LeBanc if Timo Meyer is like a no-go if uh, San Jose says no to trading Timo Meyer because I wanted Timo Meyer last summer. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I I think that San Jose is eventually going to like break. They're going to reach a breaking point. You know, when you're on the draft board, you see this really good guy, and you know New Jersey's up next, and they wanted like two of your players, like oh, I don't know, Kevin LeBanc, but he also didn't have a good year. But yet again, all of the Sharks were injured, his teammates, so he couldn't really produce anything. I think they're going to reach that breaking point. And I brought up Michael McLeod, who I said was probably going to get traded. You know, I said Minnesota, if, you know, New Jersey wants Jonas Brodine. You know, they might trade um, the first-round pick, but I think that they could go like a first, and I don't know, like a Brett Sini for Kevin LeBanc, or just a first straight up for LeBanc.
0: Yeah, I can Sounds see
1: like that getting it PK done 2. for the bank. It um, like a yeah. first – But because... like Mikel doesn't make $9 million. I mean, except for except – Yeah. Vodian he knows how hardy, to play defense. He has worthy presence. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, all the – like, I will give Shiro credit on this, that, you know, he got Kusev here and signed him to that two-year deal. And, he, you know, he's finally coming along – and it's a shame that the season stopped for him. That mm-hmm. was a great pickup, you know, Subban. All right, you know, nine million. But if you look at it, not too many teams see that, and this is where it all comes in, like the cap and everything. There are not a lot of teams out there that mm-hmm. have room, except the Devils do have room. Yeah, but it's not a destination for free so agents. Yeah,
2: that's one of the sad things about being in New Jersey. You know, just not not everything's going to go your way. Players don't really want to play in Newark. And you can't 100% blame them, but at the same time, you're on a team.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's a culture of win phase where they're trying to, you know, rebuild and get back to contention. And it's 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 been a going process the net four and a half seasons. So it seems like ownership wants to get things back to contention. And it seems mm-hmm. like Fitzgerald wants to be on the same page. And hopefully – you know, with the coaching dispute, you know, should be ready to go by.
2: Yeah, I think I think every one of the Devils' problems is going to be solved by the time they hit that floor for whatever pick they have. You know, my biggest problem. I was looking back at it. You know, point percentage is a big thing. If they run the twenty four team playoff based on point percentage, the Devils are probably going to have like, well, if they do point percentage of twenty four teams, I think the Devils can make it. By that math, I didn't really do it that much. So, I don't really. I'm not a big numbers guy. You know, if they win this many games, and you know, the only time I was ever counting is in 2018. I think we all were would we know when they're, you know, going to make the playoffs, and they had to be Toronto. You no, know, they needed four they had, points. They, they beat had the to be Rangers phil- at and home. they had to beat yeah. beat
1: Philly, and they had to beat Florida. They, they had, had to go like
2: 14-2 and whatever.
1: And I will state, and I will state because I was. You know, I would set it on Twitter then. I'll stay in with my guts now because it's not hindsight. <laughs> I said that the game against Washington, when he rested those players, changed everything for the Devils. That last game, you never rest your players. You go in and play strong because they had so much time Motiv- off before the se- next yeah. season series started, and then you want to
2: take that motivation and push that into the playoffs. Like they beat Tampa Bay all three times they took them that year. You played Taylor Hall, you know, and all your other guys, they, and you know, with a half like a half-assed lineup, you know, with Schneider starting, who was in the middle of not getting a win in a year.
1: It, it was like the score was like five three, you know. If they, they could have won the every, game. And, and,
0: they could easily do- close it out. Absolutely.
1: Well, and they would have avoided Tampa in the first round.
2: That's true. Because they, they had... tied with Columbus, and they actually would have fought the, – or they actually would have went up against the
1: Capitals. Yeah, and they would have had a win under their belt going in, building some momentum into the playoffs. Yeah, because if they you beat know...
2: Washington, you know, now you beat Washington in the regular, se- regular season. You go into the playoffs the very next game, you just beat them. What's so different about the playoffs? Oh, the atmosphere? Yeah, you can still take them on.
1: And I think, and I think the Devils and Caps have only met one time in the playoffs, right? I believe
2: so. And it, it was '88.
1: No, because it was in '88 and it was during their run to the conference final against the Bruins. They beat the Capitals in seven games for the Patrick Division Finals, and it was a young team that did it.
2: Bingo! So that was, 30, that was thirty-two years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was two. I was two at the time. So I'll, I don't. I'll the okay. only reason I remember it is because I have a tape that that recalls that. That run,
0: so that was eighty eight. That was re- the year before I was born. So. Yeah, but um <laughs> good luck to be remembered that one. You know,
1: we talk <laughs> about we talk about the Devils' problems, and one of the biggest problems was their goaltending position, their, especially their backup goalie position. Who do you think? Do you think the Devils go after this year for backup goalies?
2: So, yet again, when I said I talked to Dan McKinnon, that was the other big question, was goaltending. And he told, you know, the people that were there, he goes, we're going to play Schneider out for the rest of the year. This is when they traded Louis Domingue for Mm Zane McIntyre, who has played excellent in the few AHL games he's played for Binghamton. He said he's going to be going out on the free agent market. He said it. He's going out on the free agent market. He's fighting that backup goalie. Who it is, in my opinion, it might be Thomas Grice. You know, he's got a family. I don't think he wants to move too far away. You know, The Rangers definitely don't need a goalie. Buffalo, no. they've already got two goalies they're committed to. Carter Hutton still has another year in his deal. And Linus Olmark is going to be a restricted free agent, I think, still. And he's fairly good. So I think Thomas Grice might want to go to New Jersey. That or he's going to go to Philly. Because Philly also needs a goalie, but I also read a report that Brian Elliott's probably going to sign a one-year extension with them. So I think Thomas right. Price is the guy mm-hmm. right now. It definitely could could change because, you know, every goalie has a dispute. I'll say this right now, I don't want Matt Murray because I've already read the stuff, you know. He doesn't – well, they don't really need him. You know, Thomas Yari – or Tristan Yari. Tristan Yari, yeah, yes. NHL, NHL yeah. And he just lit it up, you know – I could see Murray going to the Red Wings. I don't see him coming to New Jersey, though.
0: I, I, I was, do like Jari,
1: though. Yeah, I, I was I was just finishing up actually finishing up a piece about the Devils' go- backup goalies, and I had Leonard, Hudobin, Grice, and Crawford as guys that the Devils could look at.
2: I say Crawford resigns in Chicago. I think Hudobin's staying
1: in Dallas. I think he loves it there. I think I think, I think Dallas piece. keeps them. Yeah, I mean they they work so well together there. Similar to what Halak was like, because he was on my – I thought the, devil I thought go after the Devils Halak, would have gone on Halak, like, too. But, he would have but, been a great pickup. He, he, he wasn't leaving Boston, and he did it, obviously. But Leonard's an interesting one because of the cap with Vegas, because they're up against it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I also – I, I think one of the most over-restricted free agents this year, sorry, um, Braden Holtby. He's coming off a terrible year. He had Ilya Simsonov coming in the NHL expecting to be a backup. He, like, destroyed Holpe in the first,
0: like, 10 games that he played. So. Yeah. And then probably Markstrom staying in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Unless Vancouver can keep up with the cap or no, otherwise. No, Vancouver, Vancouver,
1: the- Vancouver wants it. Vancouver wants Markstrom. I think
2: they were going to trade. I heard – I saw something. They're going to try to trade Jordy Ben. But, you know, you never you never know until it you know happens. The big question is, what do the Devils
1: do with Schneider?
2: I don't want to buy him out because when you buy him out, I'm not—I'm not a big, you know, buyout guy, or I don't really know the math behind it. I think you, you he does multiply paying, his.
0: Yeah, it still. You'd be his paying his him two million per per season.
2: year. Yeah, but how how much longer is he going to be on that cap book? Is it going to be? do they multiply it by two, so he's going to be on the cap for four years? I th- I I'm I not
0: sure. That, I don't think that Matt sounds correct. correct because yeah, I... because it's like less than three seasons left on that contract, mm-hmm. and plus with Seattle coming in, you you might be saving his contract to expose him. Meanwhile, you could just stick him in the AHL if if you can do that again. Yeah. Um, I do think Jill Sen could be coming up, but I don't think
1: he's going to rush him. They need a proven backup goalie. And that was the biggest problem coming into this season. They, mm. you know, Schneider had a great, oh, yeah, he had a great world championship. He had a great preseason. What the hell happened at 4 nothing? that changed where he had to come out?
2: Like, because he got, because he didn't drink enough Gatorade and have a banana before the game.
1: Yeah. Or he he pulled his groin or re injured or something. Um, but yeah they that's what they need because there's too many variables, and they need somebody that can take the
0: load off Blackwood because Blackwood can't can't Blackwood be playing, can't every be playing game.
2: sixty games a year
0: yeah. No, nah, it's not mathematically worth for Mac Black to go sixty games. I said the other day to someone else on Twitter that um this is a two starter league or at least A-B. a b one a one b league uh at least, at minimal. But I'm willing to spend a little extra on a goaltender for three or four seasons that can back up Mac Black. And I think Black was going to fetch at least $3.1 million per season
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to be our starter.
2: Yeah, I think Black was going to take a bridge deal as well as Brett. I was talking with someone, another Devils fan on Twitter too, and they oh, they brought up a really good point. All the Devils start trying when the pressure is not on them. And that's yeah. what hurts them more than helps them. Because Schneider, we are going to be like, okay, we're going to trade him. He gets his first win, his motivation's up, and then he plays an excellent rest of the year. Like, okay. And then everyone, you know, we all got that who had a better offseason than Rangers or the Devils. You no, know, Rangers got Truba, you know, Devils got Subin, you know, we got Gusev, and they got Pranarin. And the big thing was goaltending. Oh, Henrik Lundquist is still good. Then Schneider is still good. He had a great end of the year. That end of the year killed it for the Devils. They could have gone after a good goalie, in, you know, free agency, or then traded a pick for one. And then same with Zaka. You know, every year starts the year, three quarters of the year is inconsistency, and then the last part of the year, and we saw it this year too. Then he played good.
0: It's true. It, it's, it is. It's sad to see how it, he turns the 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 switch on at the at the later part of the year.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the big thing with Schneider I mean, is motivation. I think you know once he gets that loss and he like feels bad for himself and it's kind of ironic because he told Jack Hughes not when he was on like car ride that he needs to stop going hard on himself. I think so. That's what if Schneider wants to keep playing in the NHL, I think that's going to be the big thing.
1: Yeah, it's mental. You saw it with Flurry. It was all mental with him until you know Murray was there, pushed him a little bit, and then Flurry's like, "All right, yeah, I still can play in this in this league," and takes, you know goes to Vegas, takes them to the playoffs cup final. Mm-hmm. So <laughs>
0: I I think trading for Jari w- would be a good idea. I mean, given the fact that he's young and cheap, I mean, you can have him push Mac Black and it would probably fire up Schneider a little bit more. Yeah, but I then mean, you look
2: at the start of the year, and we thought Black was gonna be good because he came all came into a nine ten, he gets pushed right into action. You know, he saw Schneider playing good, so now his, you know, confidence level is a little lower. And then he lets up three goals to Winnipeg. And then he loses them and loses them for the shootout, which definitely is not his fault. That's what I'm not getting at. It's definitely the team's fault for giving up on him. But then he goes into the Buffalo game right after, and I think like the second or first or the first or second goal that Buffalo scored and he, like he went out for the puck and he completely missed it. And it went right through his five yeah, and Jack Eichel, I think, true. just picked it right up and scored.
1: Yeah, that was just not a good weekend of games for the Devils. No. Though he's come back, no, he's, he's absolutely though come he's back, back. He's absolutely come back from it, and he showed like he had that stretch there, like had the Devils pushed and like I mean, obviously they were out of it, mm-hmm. but they were pushing with wins, and he was playing great. And yeah, then he and, had the stats guys yeah. come
2: up and say, "Oh, if we played Blackwood for eighty-two games, we he had like a ninety-eight point um, he would, we'd have had a ninety-eight point season, which would have put us put us in the
0: playoffs." It. That's absolutely correct. It's just what I think is that John Hines early in the year, he played he played the hot hand too much, and you know it really messed up with you know the lower body of Corey Schneider, and along with that cramping thing, you know that's another issue that should be fixable. If, if you mentioned earlier about the banana thing, maybe that doesn't happen on opening night and. I was there watching a four nothing win go yeah, to too. be a four nothing. I actually
2: had one of my best friends go to that game. That was his first ever NHL game. I'm like, all right, it's four nothing. You know, they can't possibly blow this, can they? I think that's what we yeah. all thought that night. And of course,
1: I was there too. I was in the building. I was watching. I was like, I'm talking to people next to me. I'm like, are, are you? Are you? Are we seeing this right now? I was like, they're up four nothing. Blake Coleman has this spectacular highlight real goal that's been shown the- all season long. And it doesn't mean anything because they yeah, lost. and
2: then we all saw Subban. He, like, I think he laid out Andrew Coppett was or someone on the Jets' yeah. third line. Andrew Copp. Yeah, Andrew Coppett. The, yeah, and then everyone went up and the arena was, like, loud as can be. And then Gusev got his first NHL
0: goal. That was a beautiful starting goal right there. Yeah. But, like, Gusev has been lights out in the the shootout. And I wish they, I wish they had something like that in the 2013-2014 Season it was right after the shortened season, but like mm-hmm. if you think about it now, like the Dells got. But talking about earlier, talking about getting guys like Holt if, Holtz, and getting these extra shooters, all three or four good lines. It's just the matter of deepening up the defense. Mm-hmm.
2: This this free agency, but we talked about it how New Jersey's not a you know a location. The only way New Jersey brings in people is money, and we have a lot of it. But then people get confused with cap space because people um, teams that have a ton of cap space, it doesn't mean they have the money. That's just the cap that they can go to. It's like we saw Gretzky and the Oilers. You know the reason why he didn't stay is because the owner wanted a little, or the owner wanted a little more money. You know, so we saw you know great people like leave just because of money, and you know New Jersey has that, but. You know, do they cool. have it?
0: Like, are you willing yeah. to like pay, let's say, seven and a half million to Kyle Mary for the next seven years or five years?
2: No, That's I'm not. To... If... Yeah,
0: it's.
1: I think. I think. I think six is reasonable for. I Paul think. Mary. Yeah, five six and a half or a six million
2: is good for Paul Mary. and then like five years at most. I wouldn't really give him six or seven because
1: he is like getting into those
2: years. Right.
1: And and you don't want to go more than five because of that whole You know, um, he's been
2: injury prone. Not super yeah, not a did. lot, but enough that's, you know, saved him from like or stopped him from getting like thirty goals a season. Like he went on an awesome streak, twenty, fifteen, sixteen, thirty goal thirty goals and he was like twenty five, twenty seven. I think he had twenty
1: five again this year. He was clo- I know he was close to thirty before this whole thing mm-hmm. stopped. The, the season stopped. He was on for another 30 goals easily. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know exactly. It just seems like, do they have the money? And again, the biggest thing is philosophy with this team. What is the direction they want to go in? What's ownership's plan? What do they want to do? Because that was like the biggest thing that they came out of that when, when Shiro got fired. It's like, oh, we want to go in a different direction. Wait a minute. What was the direction yeah, that well, you were going in when part. you allowed Shiro to make all the yeah what are you aiming for because you let
0: him put this team as a contender,
1: but are we really a contender
0: that's that's the that's the thing that we we're talking about early in the season, Charlie is that um if if the mindset is not there like what Rashiro did, not committing in one same direction, going two opposite directions doesn't make any sense. That's why parting ways mutually was important. But I think mm-hmm. Fitzgerald is going to go the same direction that um, too. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think definitely the point the point of view from Ray Shiro and um, you no know, Jim is way different. You know, Shiro wanted to make it slowly. You know, and then again we have a we have a underachieving year. You know, John Hines was definitely a big part of it. I mean, we saw what Barry Trotz did with the Islanders. He turned a wor- the worst defensive team to the best defensive team in 82 games. That's a short amount of time to get to know your players and to turn them from nothing into the best. And I think Ken Danico said at best, he went on NHL Network, he goes, I don't think the Islanders are going to do this good. And then so I think someone asked him why. He goes, it's the hardest, the hardest thing to do in the NHL is be the best defending team for three years in a row. Or two or three. So I think definitely the coach the coach definitely needs to change. I know I'm going super off topic, but um, no Ray Shiro, you know he wants to take it slow. That's the big point here. If um, yeah. what's his face? If he wants to take, I'm kind of, I'm so blanking right now on who they were trying to get at the start of the season. It was like, um, I think it was a Ducks defender and there, there was a whole reason why
0: mm, I'm um, thinking Manson um,
2: uh, I don't think it was Manson. It may have been Lindholm. Fowler.
0: Manson Fowler.
2: Lindholm. Lindholm, Lindholm was the biggest thing why um, you know was Ray Shiro going to get Hampus Lindholm and make this one of the best off seasons in Devil's history and then no, they went with tie, they went with putting down Ty Smith and bringing up Matt Tennyson. You know, Tom Fitzgerald, he, just the way he does interviews makes me think that he's going to go and he's going to make this team a playoff team by next year. Because, no, I think someone asked, him, I think it was Abby. I don't I don't Abby Mastroco? Yeah, Mastroco. She asked, Yeah. oh, why weren't you taking calls on Palmera? He goes, why would I? You know, and then get, and he goes into this whole thing. He's like, oh, these players don't grow on trees. And, you know, he's could be a future captain or whatever. So he's going to – I think Tom Fitzgerald is the best person right now to put this team in the right direction. I think he's going to go for contending. I think he's going to get that defenseman. And he has a good lineup. He, he has a good lineup already. He has – He here, Brett, Gusev, Palmieri. You know, he does have Severson. My biggest question for the off season: what's happening with Will Butcher?
0: Yeah. That, I know Will Butcher – Proudly signed on the dotted line twice with the devils, Mm -hmm. you know, the second one being extension. Yeah. Um, Does he want to improve his game? Is he motivated to stay? I think he does want to stay because why would he sign the dotted line? Mm -hmm. Um, The commitment. I'm not so sure about, I'm, I don't see his upside no more than an offensive left-handed defenseman. Meanwhile, I like the likes of Daniel Missule, Nikita Ohoduk, I, I love, and I Kevin love Ball. Ohoduk. He's the shot-blocking defenseman that you want, and I
2: think he was a gem when we picked him up. I love Missule, but we do not have the greatest luck with getting Russian prospects to sign with us. I mean, we saw...
1: Yeah, I mean, you saw, you saw it with... Uh, well, he wasn't Russian, but you yeah, saw Lettinen. that everybody was like, oh, yeah, Letnin's in with the Devils. It was, it was the Kings,
2: Montreal... A mystery team and the Devils, and we're like, all right, what's this mi- mystery team? I was told I would think I was one of the first people to say the mystery team is Los Angeles, and when they announced Los Angeles as the third team, I'm like, all right, it's down to these three teams. You know, I thought Montreal was going to get him personally, and he signs what with mean? Toronto.
1: Yeah,
0: like out of nowhere, just yeah. Toronto. Yeah, what was he and one of the I teams guys? It must be one of their scouts from the KHL mm-hmm. that must have really had a good rapport with him and his agent. Um, that makes me think like the past several years, I mean, talking about Shiro and Castrano over the years, drafting players from the KHL, MHL, et cetera. It seems that with ball being one of the KHL kids and whatnot, and you have Missule, I think with the way they were able to get Sharon Govich over, and uh, Papugaev over, you know, be able to salvage their North American game here would be integral. And now, having Sergey Brelan is someone that you want to have in that arsenal of recruiting. Mm-hmm. Do you see over the years now, the past few years, the improvement that the Devils been able to lure over their Russian, Belarusian uh, players?
2: Yeah, well, because I think the last few years it's um. You know, the team wasn't good. You know, who wants to come to a bad team, you know, against or against their will? You know, now, now that they have more Russian guys here, like Gusev and you said Sergey Breland, and then they have a really good scouting department in Russia because they've been able to pick up some really nice pieces. I do think that's going to help them a lot. The biggest thing I always say is when people are, you know, guessing where Russians or even free agents are going. Just because they played in the same league – doesn't mean that they are the best friends ever. Because I see this, oh, Miko Letnin's going to sign in Montreal because Alexander um, Romanov just signed with them. He wants to be their defensive partner. They play on two separate teams and in the same league. You don't know that they're, like, great friends and they want to be right next to each other, like Michael McLeod and Nate Bastian, who are on the same team, and everyone thinks that they own, like,
0: bunk beds now. It, it, it makes me – I know this is a little bit older, but I remember Alexei Ponikarovsky and uh... – Nick Antropov both were with the Toronto Maple Leafs and they were like the uh, fairly odd couple. For those of you don't know, it's like complete opposite minds. Like one guy is the funny guy. One guy is the C- cranky C- guy. C- and so it seemed like when they played on the same Leafs team, they always were able to bring great chemistry, but off the ice, you know, things were just complete polar opposites, which can be good and bad given the yin and yang effect yeah definitely but um I mean, and then bring- and
1: then bring it back even further, go even further back when the devil's brought over Fatisov and Cassitonoff, guys were defensive partners, hated each other's guts, didn't matter like they didn't they didn't get they didn't like each other, and so, yeah, you're right, it doesn't you can assume all this stuff like letting and I saw going to the Rangers because he liked their Facebook, their Instagram, he follows this guy, it's because he you know him and Kako Kako played on Finland together. doesn't mean they, you know, they might be best buds from that, but like going back to your point about the money and the cash space, it was funny because I actually ended up picking that book up that Elliot Friedman talked about in 31 thoughts about like the NBA, but the Sixers and like their philosophy oh, yeah, I read and everything. Part, too. And it's, and it's, <laughs> and it's interesting because no, because you see it because, you know, Harris, maybe if not, wasn't a fan of the Subban trade, like similar with the Bynum trade. And, they needed to turn the Sixers around quickly because, you know, it's all about, you know, those dollars and getting them ratings and the money and all. Same with the Devils. It's like, all right, how many years do we really want to have another losing organization that doesn't bring in money and we don't have playoff revenue and all this stuff? And it's like, all right, how much longer do we want to do it? And I think they're trying to put the wheels in motion to have set up a similar yeah, structure. how much
2: how- – do you actually think that they're going to miss the playoffs before, you know, consequences happen? You know, you look at a team like Buffalo. Like yeah. they've, been, they've had some pretty good players over the past few years. They've had Vanek, Gianta, you know, Ryan Miller, all those guys left. Now they're on and a they- nine-year drought. And, you know, how much longer are they going to be? And then Jack Eichel, there's always this, oh, is Jack Eichel going to want to leave? No, he put the pen to paper. He's a captain. This guy's single-handedly carrying the team. I, don't, I wouldn't blame him if he wants to leave.
1: I, yeah, I mean, that was the talk for years in Edmonton with Connor McDavid. Oh, how how many years are they going to waste in McDavid's prime before he wants out?
2: Yeah, I remember that. Go, looking on NHL Network, just as he signed that mega deal, you know, that was the first thing they
0: brought up. Is his buyer's remorse mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. So, it seems like to me that, you know, the Devils, you know, seem to have a better managing uh, partnership. You know, it seems – that the managing side is on the right side, but it seems the coaching side is totally off kilter for the time being, even though it's slightly improved with Nasruddin. Um Do you think Nazruddin stays as an assistant, or do you think he goes like everyone else does?
2: If Gerard Gallant is the coach, I don't see Nazruddin staying as well as the rest of the, or the, rest of the um, assistant coaches. I say he might want to. But again, when I was talking with Dan McKinnon, you know, the big thing was coaching. Of course, he said he wanted to pay his all respects to Elaine Nazardine, You know, he people are saying he did have a good run, and my counterpoint was, if a man by the name of Mackenzie Blackwood was never born, Elaine Najdi would look like a clown because <laughs> his defensive structure and a guy who was brought up from a defensive coach. I don't think he was the best assistant coach. I think it's just because he's been with the team for a long time. Is the reason why he's brought up into the interim coach. So I think personally, he stays. Gerard Glant has the say in whether he does or not. But anything, he's not the coach yet. You know, will he be the coach? It's still anyone's thing. The biggest, the biggest problem, and you know, everyone, the reporters and stuff. Oh, you're lying, and you know, you're just saying this to get clout. Anything can change at the last minute. Like I've seen stuff, you know. Max Pacioretty to the Islanders, you know, that trade fell through. We saw the one with Zach Parise this offseason could have gone to the Islanders. Of course, that fell through.
0: And Lou said no to that.
2: Mm-hmm. And then Miko Koivu said, you know, I'm not waving my claws or my no-movement claws.
1: Well, yeah, Zajac said no to going because I think there was a trade in place. For and then before, before the that, Island. when
2: Lou Lamoureux was still with the Maple Leafs, he tried to get them. And then I know... Anaheim was a big yeah. team on
1: Zay Jack. But, but he had that no, he to stay he had in that no trade clause in his contract and wants to stay in he, Jersey.
0: He, he's been brought up in that double system and he doesn't want to leave until he retires. Mm-hmm. And I always thought he would have wanted to go back home to Winnipeg, but it seems like there's nothing left for him to do in Winnipeg other than seeing family. But I mean,. I mean, to be honest, the, the the Jets do need a second line center. I mean, mm-hmm. he
1: could fit there, but he's just so slow right now that he's Yeah, more especially of if he's playing center. with
2: you know Winnipeg's a big you know they're a young team. You know they got Line A, Eelers, Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler on the wings. There's some fast guys with the exception of Wheeler. You know how's he going to Wheeler's? Yeah. Yeah, Wheeler's Gritty and he gets the assists. Like I was surprised when I was looking back at his stats. He had like a seventy six point
1: season last year or the year before.
0: And then, it was good. I think it
1: was year Yeah, it was either yeah, it was either the year they went to conference final. Because that was like Kyle Connors coming out party. And that that top line was rolling with Winnipeg. But yeah, I mean look, the the Devils can definitely have that kind of Momentum, those kind of lines, especially if they get guys that, as you said, you know in the draft, if maybe when Nolan Foote comes up they'll they'll maybe finally have a solid two lines that, you know it that can function instead of re- relying on four guys to do
0: stuff and it, and I wanted to touch on the cam Jansen stuff where he said you know you also need to have um size and physicality as well as. Speed and skill. So, what do you think of guys like Mikhail Maltsev and Nathan Bashan?
2: I, I'm a big Nathan Bashans fan. I was surprised when, you know, he didn't get a chance in the. He had a really good end of the year. Game 82, he scored two goals against Florida, and that ended up being his Ajax OT winner to cap off a terrible year after having a really good one that was, yet again, a coming out party for the Dells like, haha, hey, we're not bad anymore. And now. Until Hall was signed the contract, you know I love Nate Bastion. I think he's definitely that you know double headed monster that you don't want to screw with. You know he's not Scott Stevens levels. I don't want to screw you don't want to screw with, but like he's up there,
0: like a uh, you know? Brian Boyle.
2: Yeah, like a Brian Boyle. But bro, Brian Boyle never fought. That was his philosophy. He will always scare people with his height. He'd never drop the gloves. Nate Bashin, if someone enters his teammate, he's going right over yes. there and he's beating the crap
1: out of them. And then Malt said, "Oh, here you go." And you, yeah, no, you need you need to have somebody like that on your team. I mean, you just look at look at the two, and, and it comes down again. I, the Devils haven't been in the playoffs in a while, and Gerard Gallant could probably be the guy that d- does it, and everybody will love it when he does when and when and if they sign him and it's announced but if you look at the past two cup winners Washington and St. Louis their fourth lines not only beat you up
0: yeah. but could score the gr- they gr- and the they grind Devils you up that. like like uh, like meat
2: and then same with New Jersey when they went to the, the you know the finals in 2012 that fourth line was lethal they had what Stephen what was it Stephen Gianta Ryan, was Carter, was Ryan Bernier. Carter Bernier. They they like yeah. just tore it up. Their fourth line, you know, fourth lines aren't supposed to score. They're supposed to be the fourth offensive line. But you know, they still were a huge part. And you know, Ryan Klo was a big part. of, you know, fighting that was not Ryan Cloe. Sorry, Ryan Carter. Now he was a big tough dude fighter. Sort of Steve Bernie, but we all know he took that five minutes. Yeah. That yeah, let's that's not get for into another it. story. We know, that is for another day. Talk about that, because one. Because we
1: know. Uh, we, everybody knows. Th- we're the not watching that,
0: no, that. we know. I had everybody to shut the knows. TV off because I didn't want to see who got the who got the trophy. I was
1: so <laughs> mad. I was, I was so bad so I mad actually threw that. my hat. Um, but regardless, because you know, I was thinking about back to that series. If the Devils take one of those first two games they... at home in overtime, mm-hmm. it's a different series. It's a totally different Brodeur, series. Then... Or not even the not even a Kopitar one because the Kopitar yeah, is a right. breakaway. That Brodeur had that. Yeah, it's the, it's the Jeff Carter goal in game two that you just let him walk around into the middle mm-hmm. and get a shot. That's off. what the
2: old Devils never did. Scott Stevens, Niedermeyer, Danico, Rafalski they didn't they didn't let you do that.
1: Carter would have been on his butt before he tried to cross over in the
0: corner. (laughs) But but definitely it sounds – well, we tried to talk a little bit on Malta before um, Jim jumped in. What do you think about Malta's future and present would be for Uh, the Devils going forward?
2: Right now I think Malta is still going to be in the AHL next year. He surprised everyone when he scored that one-handed tuck on uh, whoever played for the Rangers goalie because that was a preseason game. I think it was Lundqvist. I'm not sure. Either now. him probably or It probably was Lundqvist. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, his future, he's probably going to be, like, a bottom six guy. The problem is I don't really know a bunch about these centers' futures because we have so many of them. You know, Zaka right now I think is going to be a winger. Hughes, is he going to be a winger? He ended off the year as a wing. Right. We have Nick Merkley, Michael
0: McLeod. you know, who else are you going to get? in this draft. Well, definitely in in the second round, you're looking at Jan mm-hmm the kid from Czechia, the, that became a Hamilton Bulldog in the middle of the season. And he had a really... Yeah. I actually liked seeing his two-way play. He actually defended his own. Mm-hmm. And especially Patrick Elias was his uh, assistant coach.
2: Yeah, I keep forgetting that. You know, Elias is... And then when everyone was like, oh, who's the devil's next coach going to be? And they were saying Elias, just I wouldn't take that risk. He's a fan favorite.
1: I would see him more. I would see more of him as an assistant. Go. Sorry to cut you off there. I, yeah, I me too. See I'd, as I'd see
2: him as like, probably assistant as his highest, you know. But I don't see him being the head coach of the devils. Not The timing is just off. Give me another like two or three years of him coaching and I'd consider it.
0: I yeah. do think uh, having a guy like Patrick Elias as an assistant coach in New Jersey would demand a lot of respect, even outside of the head coaching job, would be a deal for him. Um, I know Scott Stevens' name's been mentioned um, even by Chico Resch lately on uh, the Lasco Devils podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder what you think about bringing Scott Stevens back.
2: I think Scott. The problem with bringing Scott Stevens as an assistant coach is if he wants to do it. Now I've heard all about he wants. He likes his part time job on being for being an analyst on NHL Network. But then when we all saw when he broke down that that one Devils play against Buffalo and he fixed everything, you know that opened people's eyes like okay this guy can be the coach, and he did have a run with them or not a run with them, but he did kind of have a little stint with them and as well as Minnesota. And I don't think I think it was more that he didn't want to be a coach. I think he wanted to be more of an analyst. So that's kind of where my standpoint is on the Stevens.
1: I mean, personally, if you could work his contract out where he only had to come to home games, mm-hmm. I'd be okay with it. Like similar to what like Larry Robinson did when he like, took the, the Sharks position. Like then eventually he continu- He would go on the road, but it. But it, it it feels like now with the Blues he's more of like an advisor and stuff like that. If you could get like something with Stevens like that where it comes in just helps out a little bit here yeah. and there. Just to I fix what like the, little did the Devils where he,
2: Like the only times he was with the team. And sorry to cut you off. He was only there for a little bit at a time. Like two weeks, you know, and then he oh, kind of good. worked with the team. And the biggest thing he did was, you know, Miles Wood, he said, you know, he's more of a gritty speed player. You should have a bigger stick. So it's like the little things yeah. like that. You know, he doesn't have to be an assistant coach, but yeah, I can advise I just with want that. to bring up: it's still crazy that Larry Robinson is still coaching. I still think that guy's like 90 years old. Whenever I look <laughs> at him, he he
0: he has ever-going commitment to the game, and he's always been great coaching. And you know, he'll always live on in Devils lore as one of the best Stanley Cup-winning coaches uh, in Devils history. And going down saying these guys got to get through their thick skulls, which. I think is one of the best sayings in sports, uh, outside any other coach.
1: That speech, that speech was awesome. Except, I will give Hines credit for one thing: in the preseason game, are we crystal effing clear on what we need to do? <laughs> is up there with it. So. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that. Yeah, I out think
2: Heinz is definitely that hothead. He's, and, but uh, he was. That doesn't mean he was a great coach. If you can yell, anyone can yell at their players, and you know, yell no. like. But that was definitely up there, yeah. with the crystal clear.
1: Um, I will say, I will say. So Joe and I were talking about this the other day. And and I've brought up this like hypothetical because it it would be interesting to see, like if free agency was before the NHL draft? Because you hear all the time, it's like, oh, we want, we want free agency. You know, it's, it's, it's this date, but the, the period's beforehand. How would, the, how would a free agency period change what the Devils would do at, a, at the draft if free agency wouldn't before if, it?
2: If free agency was before the draft, it would completely change the Devils as well as any team's plans. I mean, if the Devils can be like, all right, you know, Dylan DeMello, you're probably, who's probably going to get signed by Winnipeg. Paul Maurice loves Dylan DeMello. Even you got like Justin Braun. You know, if Braun offers know it, does. asks a little too much money, that's for the liking of, you know, the higher ups in Philadelphia. And if you want to get him, you know, that kind of takes, you know, I don't, I, not Sanderson, but like it just kind of changes up, you know, in the later rounds. Like, all right, well, you look at here, we already have a bunch of big, dif- or good prospect defense. And we have Smith, Ball, Vukovich, Okuyak, you know, Miss Yule. You know, do we need another defenseman? Or are we going to go for forwards? You know, if we get a good top six forward, or if we do make a trade, you know, that's going to completely change Vancouver's pick. You know, if you don't change it, and the tenth pick, you know, are you going to go Sanderson or Lundell or whoever's available?
1: Yeah, yeah it's just a it's just a fun hypothetical to think about because last year I was thinking of my, I was talking with somebody and they we're like, imagine if the Devils, yeah. if it was free agency first. Devils probably don't get Hughes. They probably go after mm-hmm. the winger. They probably go after Kako. It just changes that whole dynamic. Yeah. It just then, changes the whole dynamic. You no, know, I was the draft.
2: It, like last year was kind of like an open eyes thing for me because like I looked at my mock draft and I looked at how the draft finishes up. And I want to bring this up a point because I hate it. I have a lot of respect for Craig Button because everyone's like calling him crazy. Like he put Hendrix LaPierre at number ten for the best four or for like the best, you know, of the ten. And everyone's like, "Oh, are you crazy!" But then you look back. This guy watches like 250 games per year. If he saw something in La Pierre that everyone else did, yeah. I'm taking his vote over them because half the people they are just like they've only heard about him or saw highlights about him. And I brought Yeah, You can go. You on? Yeah. It's like I was going to say. That no, no. Everyone it, no, can, your answer, can look sorry. at highlights and determine a player. And my point was you look at Sam Gagne. He had an eight point night against the or he had an eight point night for the Oilers a while back. That doesn't define his career. He wasn't that good of a player. He just had an eight point night and then he kind of like settled back down to like that, you know, middle six guy at the top of his career. Or you look at a guy like Line who had a five point or a five goal game, that might define his career. If he can, you know, step it up and go forty goals a season now, that's gonna be a big thing. Anyone can look at highlights of these guys and say, "Oh, this guy's really good." You know, highlights are meant to be see how they look at the game, not like a sh- sweet move that they do that you know most people can pull off, but just it was lucky timing.
0: We're...
1: Right i I see that I see that a lot with like that the NFL mock drafts because I'll watch a ton of college football, like I watch like a ton of like I'll watch like college and junior world juniors and. Like look at guys and I, and somebody's like, "Well, how come you rate this guy? The expert says this." I said, "Yeah, but the expert, yeah, he's a so-called expert, but t- you're talking to a guy that spends his day watching college football mm-hmm. like all day." And I feel like these you guys definitely play. have more authority it's over like, someone who it, watches I don't, the highlights again. Exactly. So, it's just interesting to see that like it's like, yeah, like like Mika Szvinager had a five-goal night for the Rangers, but yeah. He's one of the best players in the league. It's not like his coming out party was the 2012 World Juniors when he scored that goal for Sweden. I'm like, all right, this kid's gonna be a stud. Now,
0: I wanted to touch on Hendricks Lapierre though. I I think one of his best attributes are his his quick shot, his stick handling, his zone entries. I mean, the way he used the the slot and the crease, and he really does think the game out like a Patty Kane and he does behave a little bit like a Crosby with his thought process. So mm-hmm. I think he's one of those undervalued, not well talked about centers in the draft, mm-hmm. even though he's five foot 11 size doesn't really matter in today's uh, drafts or upcoming hockey seasons. A lot of guys who are smaller, I was listening to Will Scouch, uh explain this. He said that players who are like, Lesser than six feet have a greater control of the center of gravity, uh, being better puck handlers, and it seems like a guy like a Lapierre can certainly most do something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. do you do you think the same thing goes for Jamie Drysdale, being a guy that has a five ten, five eleven frame?
2: Yeah, I mean it depends what the team needs are. Like if you're taking Drysdale, Drysdale. You know, you're looking for, like, a puck-moving, kind of, like, offensive-minded guy, and that's what we kind of saw in Ty Smith. He went, like how you said earlier, he went from an offensive guy to kind of more like a two-way. You know, what we see in Drysdale right now, um, you know, puck-moving, offensive, that's kind of what the smaller guys do. But, you know, you definitely got to look at the concerns of having an under-six-foot defenseman, like Will Butcher. Now he got injured a lot. And, you know, you want the higher, the taller guys. And I think that's a big reason why Ray Shearer went out and got Kevin Ball. He's six foot seven, he is a tall guy. And you want that to kind of stand up for your players, but also kind of, you know, defend.
0: Right. You're absolutely correct. And it's one of the reasons why, um, and I believe this to this day, that Tommy Fitzgerald was in on that move. With Ray Shiro pushing for Kevin Ball in that deal because they try to get as much out between Arizona, they try to get as much out from Colorado. Jim and I have that source telling us, like, um, because Hall didn't have much term on his contract, they the Devils couldn't get enough value mm-hmm. in return. But meanwhile, they found enough value to get Kevin Ball in that package.
2: Yeah, and everyone forgets about that trade, Nick Merkley. I love him. You know, his first game was with, <laughs> against the Hurricanes. And, you know, Latin I think he mistreated Merkley completely. And we're like, all right, is he going to be in the next game? He goes, yeah, you know, I see that, you know, he made a really good play along the boards to get the puck out to Joey Anderson, who scored – you know, to keep the puck away, but yet again, he was a last minute put in. So I might go with my actual lineup. You know, the next game. So that was just kind of like dumbfounded for me because you know, Merkley worked his ass off. You know, he's a former first round pick. That's kind of what you want. What you want to see. And then he had a first NHL goal against Columbus, and you know, he kind of like that gritty young, like small guy.
0: Created uh, on how Nick Merk. Uh- and he helped keep the puck in the offensive zone time. I certainly yeah. do think that the way they can uh, certainly do a lot of great wonders with Anderson. And I do believe that the next coach going forward, the Devils will have to cons- reconsider guys like him being really good offensive uh, zone drivers and energy players. Uh, before we rack up, wrap up, Jim, uh, Jim, and I want to hit you with some final thoughts and questions. Jim, you you get the first one.
1: Um. All right. So Devils, you know, they've had a rough time of it with you know prospects and and drafting. You know, mm-hmm. the Lou years, the end of the Lou years. You know, mis misguided toys. You know, you mentioned Joey Anderson. Do you see this guy sticking around? Is he more of an AHL player, or can you see him? uh, Could you see him finding? Yeah, that's a good question because the biggest problem with
2: the Devils is they have a bunch of like guys who are good enough to play in the NHL, but we don't have enough roster spots for them. And then the AHL is kind of packed. I think Joey Anderson, the biggest thing that he's you know did this year was he picked up a two way game because now he's playing penalty kill minutes and he's doing a good job at it. So I think you know whoever the next coach is, you got to look at that. That might be a guy who you want to put on the fourth line. If you want to complete, like, shut down defensive fourth line and have, like, Zajac and Anderson on that line and get, like, a free agent. Like, I love Matt Nieto. I think, you know, the Devils are try to do everything to get him. Or, like, Vlasov and because he also picked up a two-way game. So if you want a defensive fourth line, I think that's who you want. And I think Joey Anderson does have a spot on the team. But, yet again, depending on, you know, free agency and the draft and who you trade for, who you don't, is going to – you know, figure that one out,
0: and one of the things that I want to talk about is uh is how the philosophy will evolve over time, and do you think guys like Tory Krug will be considered uh options going forward in this upcoming off season when there is a free agency if he doesn't resign with the Bruins?
2: I think the Devils will take into consideration about Torrey Krug, and they'll listen to him about how he would probably want six um, six years and about $6.5 But you look at him, he's more of an offensive guy, and I think the Devils definitely, you know, you need to watch out for guys who produce offense a lot, you know, Cough Cough, P.K. Subban, when you gave up two second-round picks, of okay defensive prospect and a seventh defenseman for him. So I think they'll consider it. And if they do, if he does say, all right, you know what, I'll give it a shot – I'll come to New Jersey. I'll be that, you know, standout defenseman. I think, you know, that'd be a good idea.
1: Do you see, uh, who do you see? Because, you know, everybody fell in love with Blake Coleman this year. I coined the phrase on uh, Twitter and then I put it on Devils Reddit and they exploded. I said when Blake Coleman was out there, he was scoring shorthanded goals. (laughs) He was, he was the second coming of John Madden. Who do you see that, could somebody be, like, could fill that like? I, I think Coleman if it's going to be
2: someone that comes out of the blue and produces like that, it is going to be Joey Anderson. I think, like I said, he picked up that two-way game. He's fast. He has a good release. He's everything that, like, Blake Coleman, like, had. but Blake Coleman was just, like, a better, you know, producer. You know, he was there for the penalty kill, scored a bunch of shorthanded goals. He was the heart and soul of the team. I think Joey Anderson is just kind of back in, like, he's just kind of sitting back a little bit. Like he's not supposed to be that main guy, but yet again, he was also a captain for Team USA in,
0: in uh, one of the Duluth. tournaments. Duluth. Minnesota Duluth. So, yeah, mm. he's a nitty-gritty guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do I do like the fact that, you know, I thought before Shiro got fired, I thought uh, Scott Sandlin was going to be a, a coaching candidate. But given the fact that we have a much better candidate in Gallant, and maybe Ricard Grunberg, but I do think the Devils are in a much better position uh, for the coaching candidates. Um, It's
2: definitely better timing to have a coach, you know, or have an interim coach. You have so many guys like Peter LaViolette, George Gallant, Bruce Boudreau. There was a lot to talk about. Are the Capitals going to fire Todd Reardon? Because he hasn't done a lot after winning the Stanley Cup. He took Carolina to seven games and lost in overtime. And, you know, this year it's been a little up and down for the Capitals. And Braden Holpe one of the biggest problems for them. You know, what's going to happen? But I it's just kind think of the Caps Island. are aging. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, Ovech especially entering his last year is, you know, Backstrom is two. Everyone's just kind of, no. you know, aging but, on.
0: Look. But it, do- it does seem like the Devils are starting to get. Riper and better, but there's they just still need to improve, but um Jim, any last words?
1: I just want to get him his thoughts on if you think the devils will try to make a run for Alex Petrangelo because he's that steady, steady stay home defenseman guy that I think you know, that you if were talking the, about if with the there devils. was a
2: chance if um St. Louis does not have a contract in place by for him by you know free agency. I think they're definitely going to run at him. And, you know, but money's definitely... Tom Fitzgerald's, you know, cautious about who he signs and for how long. So if he gets scared away that Petrangel wants like nine or nine and a half for seven years, you know, he's probably going to get, you know, a little... He doesn't want the buyer's remorse kicking in for him. You know, we saw the 2016 free agency. Everyone from that class was
1: terrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know because cause it's been mentioned to me from somebody at St. Louis that look for the Devils and the and the well, to Vince do Donner. something in the off
0: season. It, that Vince Dunn definitely trade partners or something like that. It does seem he, like it. I mean, yeah, there was probably interest in Allen, but I don't think the Devils want to go that route. No, I think, I that think they, they have want better
2: to go free agency.
0: But um, yeah, I do, exactly. I do think this podcast was pretty spot on given the fact that, you know, we all been thirsty for content and trying to get back at, uh, some sort of normalcy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. We've heard about every topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Charlie, what are, what are your expectations for, uh, things going forward to August or whatever they have? John Shen was just talking about recently. Um, so I think the
2: first announcement's going to be like, now we have teams practicing, you know, under the NHL's noses, you know, things are going to start to open up. I think definitely within the next, like, three or four days, we're going to get some good news coming out of the NHL. I know the Flames GM said that we're going to get some good news soon. I think phase two is going to start in two or three weeks. And then I was thinking about it earlier. I'm like, if you, if you start the playoffs, the 24 team playoff and have it where there's no fans, Each playoff round takes about, let's say, three weeks from Game 1 to Game 7 for whoever's playing each other. That's about three weeks. We've been in this quarantine for about two months. That's about almost a fourth of that time. So it can get, like, better. Like, we get the first round, you know, no fans. Second round, you get a fan every, like, six seats, and then it just keeps getting on and on and better until the finals where you could actually
1: pack an arena. Yeah, I mean, and I think now with the NBA choosing Orlando and Disney to play to play their their games there and and that's where they're honing in on getting their season done, it seems that Vegas yeah. is definitely going to be one of the hubs for the Devils to I'm not Vegas for the, Devils, for the NHL to partners. have games. But but with the, and even though the border, mm-hmm. you know, still closed to June, it doesn't really matter because yeah. none of this stuff is going to start up until July anyway. So, yeah, no, it was good. We definitely hit on a, a lot of things, a lot of interesting stuff. Just keep everybody informed. It's been, Charlie, thanks yeah, for absolutely. reaching out. Thanks for putting out what you did on Twitter. Thanks for getting it back to us uh, so quickly. I yeah, know. I need it. I need Glad something you to you know, put it's my mind and actually talk show. to a few
2: more people who know <laughs> know about the same knowledge of hockey that I do or more. So, Thank you for having me on so much. You're, I do you're,
0: appreciate it. Uh, shout out again to Jake Wakely on, on Facebook and Instagram for getting us all uh, excited about this. And I know the Lesville Devils podcast starts around, like, I think eight thirty nine o'clock. So we got our own podcast in before they air. This is perfect. Storm. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, Memorial Week is coming up. I would have had a Memorial Cup run. Yeah, it is what it is. But yep, everyone, please be safe. Stay stay home. But par, but party smartly. Almost almost over.
1: Just think about it. Almost 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 over. There's there's a light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. Again, That's Charlie, little thanks little for coming on. You can come on anytime you want. Positive, Let us everyone. know. And uh stay positive and uh we'll be, we'll have hockey right, back soon take it easy all right yep all right peace all right All right. peace